Greetings and salutations and welcome to Full Time, brought to you by Northern Superior Brewery in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, along with the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. This our March 31st edition of Full Time, covering the world of soccer. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Nason, and we are joined, as always, by our other host, Daniel Scarpino and Scarps. It's the end of March, but as you know, the soccer season never ends. How you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm doing very well today, Scott. And like you said, the soccer season never ends, and it's just one ongoing thing of beauty, really. How you doing today, Scott? I'm doing wonderful, Daniel, and certainly lots to talk about, so let's get right to it. And let's start with the big five leagues in Europe as play will resume this upcoming weekend. And let's start in the Premier League, Daniel, as the matches will begin on Saturday and Sunday, most teams having around eight or nine matches left to play. The race is definitely on at the top of the table. Man City holding a one-point lead over Liverpool currently. Should be easy matches for both those clubs as Liverpool will host Watford and Man City is at Burnley. Chelsea is in third place with 59 points, five points ahead of Arsenal, who are in fourth place in that final Champions League spot for next season. Tottenham Hotspur fifth with 54 points and Manchester United in sixth with 50. Uh, Daniel, your thoughts on the top of the table in the Premier League? It looks to be a two-horse race for the top and still uh, some uh, jockeying for positions for uh, number three and four. Well, at the top of the table when it comes to Man City and Liverpool, I mean, when you take a look at both of these teams, you'd have to say in terms of Premier League history, these two teams have got to be up there with some of the best. Yeah. And they just continue to impress us on a year-to-year basis. They've been absolutely incredible. So my opinion from the beginning of the season that Manchester City was always going to win it. But the nice thing about football is that you could have a change in opinion, and that opinion could be changing on a week-to-week basis. So I really like the look of Liverpool right now. I think when you take a look at their front three, they've got about five players there that Jurgen Klopp must just pull his hair out on a weekly basis. They can, who do I start? <laughs> right. So it's absolutely incredible. And then you take a look at the likes of Manchester City, who have been playing all season without a, a number nine. They've been playing without a striker, which is almost unheard of. So I think the battle at the top right now is incredible. And my eyes, for me, are on uh, April the 10th when those two teams play against each other, because that's probably going to be the game of the season, you would think. As far as the rest of the Champions League places go, Chelsea, I think, are in a really good position. Arsenal, they've been playing some good football as of late, but you certainly can't count out the likes of Tottenham and Man United nor West Ham, Scott. Yes, and uh, Man City and Liverpool will play uh, two weekends in a row. We'll talk about their FA Cup uh, semifinal coming up here in a little bit. Uh, Daniel, at the bottom of the table, it, it's starting to take a little more shape. Uh, Norwich, they're in real trouble going down once again this season. They are at the bottom of the table with 17 points. Uh, Burnley, who still has a couple matches in hand against some of the teams down there, they're in 19th place with 21 points. Watford in 18th with 22. And Everton, they're still in trouble. They do have a couple matches in hand on a couple of those teams, but they are just clear of the relegation zone at 25 points. Leeds, Brentford, and Newcastle, who were kind of in the conversation, still are a bit at least with Leeds and Brentford, but they're in a much better position because there's only about eight or nine matches left. Uh, how does the bottom of the table look? Uh, you know, to me, Daniel, I think uh, Norwich is definitely going down. I think Watford's in a lot of trouble. I still think Everton's going to have enough to get over the line, though. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much with you, Scott. And I think it was uh, our last show when we spoke about Brentford and Leeds that they were really going to have to turn their form around, and they have done so. They've both picked up six points in their last two to three matches. So that's definitely boosted them up the table probably just enough. And like you said, I'm, I'm with you. I think Everton probably has enough to see themselves over the line, although I think that club, based on what we've seen this season, really does need a revamping of sorts. I'm deeply concerned still for Norwich City. I'm deeply concerned for Watford. The only thing that's kind of saving me with Burnley is, one, their manager, and, two, the fact that they have a couple of games in hand. But the way that we see the bottom three right now, Scott, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if it just stays that way. But we know that the uh, the battle at the bottom could be just as riveting at times as the, uh, the battle at the top. It sure is indeed. Uh, Daniel and Siri on Italy. It's still a good battle at the top of the table with four teams. AC Milan currently in first place with 66 points, three points ahead of second place Napoli, who hold 63 points. Inter in third with 60 and Juventus in fourth with 59. And then a pretty big drop after that, an eight-point drop with Atalanta and Roma tied for fifth. And 51 points, a big match to this upcoming weekend. Uh, Inter host, or rather Juventus hosting Inter. Uh, real good battle in Serie A. This one looks to go to the wire. Well, it really does. And I think what we've seen so far in Serie A this year is that there is a balance of power, shall we say, at least amongst the top four. And what we've been saying all season, that the top seven would be what the top seven is. So I think right now still I'm going to stick with Milan because I do like the football that they play. They've been the most consistent. But the biggest thing with City A this year, at least in my opinion, is when one team slips up, it hasn't seemed as though another team could fully take advantage. So, for example, if, you know, Napoli pulls off a draw, well, then Milan goes out and gets a draw. The teams kind of stay where they are or right. Inter picks up a loss. It's not as though Napoli has then gone and picked up a victory. So not one team has really stepped out in front of the pack. The, the gap at the top's only three points, and everybody's within about a game of each other. So definitely probably amongst the top five, apart from the Premier League, I would say uh, this has been the most uh, the most riveting race all across Europe, Scott. Yeah, I would agree as well, sir. Uh, La Liga in Spain, it looks like Real Madrid is on the path to taking top spot this season. They're nine points clear of second place Sevilla. They hold 66 points to their 57. Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are tied for third in those two final Champions League positions. Real Betis four points back with 50, and Real Sociedad in sixth place holding 48 points. Big match this weekend in La Liga sees Barcelona hosting Sevilla. Uh, Daniel, Real Madrid, uh, you know, we'll talk more about them in the Champions League, but, but, you know, domestically, they're doing what they seem to always do, win. Yeah, I agree with you, man, and it's it's one of those things at the beginning of the season, I figured that they'd be around the top, but I didn't know if they would actually go on to, to win it, but it certainly looks like that's going to be the case. Uh, and Sevilla, Sevilla has been, they've had themselves a good season. They're in a bit of a difficult run, if you want to call it that. Right now, they haven't been picking up maximum points. But I would like to say on uh, for Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, they've completely turned their seasons around and they're picking up wins, what seems to be on a weekly basis. So they've been playing some fantastic football in that El Clasico a couple of weeks back. Barcelona absolutely thrashed Real Madrid. I enjoyed watching that one for sure. Yeah, I think that move getting Javi Hernandez for Barcelona seems to have paid off this season, hasn't it? For sure. Oh, I agree with you, Scott. That's been a big move for them. He's a young, innovative manager, but the biggest thing is that he knows the club in and out. 
Exactly. In the Bundesliga in Germany, it's a two-horse race for the top spot. A pretty good race. Bayern Munich still in first place with 63 points. Borussia Dortmund six points back with 57. A good battle for third and fourth place in Germany in the final two Champions League positions. Bayer Leverkusen holds third with 48 points, while Leipzig and Friedberg tied for fourth and 45 points. Hoffenheim Still in the mix, one point back. Uh, this upcoming weekend, uh, featured matches see Bayern at Freelberg, while Borussia Dortmund will host Leipzig. So you're going to have a couple of those teams at the top battling each other. But, you know, to me, Daniel, uh, Bayern Munich still is, is the class of the Bundesliga. I'd be very surprised if they slip up enough to give up that position. But credit Dortmund, they're still on their heels. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you there, Scott, because Dorman's doing just enough to keep a little bit of pressure on and keeping Byron honest. But I think with about seven-ish games to go for each team, give or take, I think that Byron pretty much have it locked up as long as they don't slip up too badly. And then the rest of the spots for the Champions League amongst other European places looks pretty interesting, as we've been saying throughout the season, because the, the Bundesliga is incredibly tight this year. And uh, quickly, Daniel, League One in France, uh, well, PSG 12 points clear of Marseille. You have Stade Rennes and Nice in fourth place. I don't know if you want anything to add, but we've kind of been saying this for the past couple months. It's PSG and everybody else. Yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is, unfortunately. The only thing I will say on that is, is we spoke about it on a few different occasions that PSG, because the gap was always going to be so big that they could have a slip-up or several slip-ups, and they're still going to be ahead. And if you take a look at their last five games, they've lost three games. And right. in any other title race, you'd be dropping down probably to third or fourth place, maybe even out of the top four. And uh, in this case, they're still ahead by 12 points. So it just goes to show the gap and how, uh, if you want to call it, the lack of quality exists uh, between PSG and, and their competition. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you for this March 31st edition of Full Time, sponsored by Northern Superior Brewery in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And Daniel, let's move on to the Champions League as we are at the quarterfinal stage in eight teams, uh, which will have the matches resume next Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday matches see Benfica hosting Liverpool and Manchester City at home to Atletico Madrid. Wednesday, this is a very tasty matchup as Chelsea will be at home at Stamford Bridge against Real Madrid and Villarreal will host Bayern Munich. The second leg of those ties will be played on April 12th and April 13th. So, Daniel, looking at the four ties, obviously three Premier League teams still in there and you also have you know a couple uh, teams from La Liga. Size up the quarterfinal matchups and uh, who do you think uh, comes out on top? Well, I'm, I'm interested to see where we agree and where we differ because I'm sure there's going to be a difference of opinion somewhere, possibly, maybe, who knows. Uh, but I was listening this morning uh, just before work uh, to Jurgen Klopp during the course of an interview, and he, and he said, you know, these next eight weeks are going to be absolutely incredible because it's going to be soccer on top of soccer on top of soccer. And he was talking about the Benfica matchup and that he was a little bit worried in the sense because of the way that Benfica played. That being said, I think Jurgen Klopp is really good and he's, you know, kind of playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, if you want to call it that, from a mind uh, mind games point of view. So I think that Liverpool probably will take care of Benfica. I really like them uh, to, to, to go out and beat Benfica over two legs. I think Man City probably are are excited that they got Atletico Madrid because if you're going to take one team to break down a low block in world football, it's probably going to be Man City because of all that creativity that they have. So I like Man City over two legs against Atletico Madrid. 
Byron and Villarreal. I think Villarreal have done sensational to get to this point. I didn't even have them, I don't think, going out of the knockout stage, if that uh, maybe the round of 16. So uh, fantastic for them to get there, but Byron is just too good. I think that they will they will take them. And where I'm going to say that maybe you will disagree with me here is I think I've doted Real Madrid enough this year. Chelsea beat Real Madrid last year in uh, in the Champions League, and I feel like it's going to be difficult for them to to be beat uh, to beat Real Madrid twice. So I'm actually going to take Real Madrid in this tie, just for the simple fact that I think that Real is kind of riding this wave that most people didn't maybe expect that they would uh, that they would be in. So uh, I'm going to take Real Madrid. Where are you at with all these ties, Scott? Well, you'd be surprised. I'm in full agreement with you, Daniel. I oh, agree. Uh, yeah, Liverpool and Benfica, again, a, a good result for Benfica just to get to this stage, but uh, Liverpool just too strong. I mean, the depth on that team is as good as any in all of world football, so I like Liverpool uh, to win that tie. Uh, I agree with what you said about Man City. I think this is a good matchup for them, and this is a team that is desperate. I think PSG was the other team desperate to win the Premier League. Uh, Juventus being another one, but they're not playing. You know, they were so close last year until uh, Kai Havertz uh, had that goal one I remember very well as a Chelsea fan. I think, yep, Man City will get past uh, Atletico in that one. And I agree with you on Real Madrid. Don't let that 4 nothing loss to Barcelona and El Clasico really uh, give a lot of doubt as far as how good Real Madrid does I like to say, I use this term often in sports, Daniel, they're kind of playing on the house's money because there weren't yeah. a whole lot of expectations on them, and Chelsea is the defending champ, and obviously what's going on with that club with their former owner, which things have settled down a bit, at least uh, for Chelsea's uh, sake as far as that, but I, I think Real, I think it's going to be close, I think Chelsea's going to give them a good battle, but I can see... Real Madrid uh, maybe getting a draw in their first leg and then going back to Spain and winning that one. And Bayern Munich, again, another one of those teams. And and what a final four would that be? Uh, You have Liverpool, Man City, Real Madrid, and Bayern Munich. Uh, That one would be very good indeed. Uh, Daniel, let's move on to the FA Cup semifinals. The FA Cup semifinals in England will be played at Wembley in the middle of the month as the big match. We'll see the top two teams in the Premier League face each other as Man City will face Liverpool on April 16th. And as you mentioned earlier, they'll also be against each other the week before that in Premier League actions. Action, rather. Uh, Chelsea certainly can't complain about their draw. They're going to have a London derby against Crystal Palace, a, a team that is good. But I think Chelsea has to, has to like that to get back to the FA Cup final. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two matches? Obviously, the, uh, the, the, the big one is Man City and Liverpool. H- how do you see those two matches going? Well, the big one is Man City and Liverpool, but obviously I think still the April 10th matchup in the Premier League is going to be the big one. But anytime that Manchester City and Liverpool play each other, it's always a riveting tie. This one, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to PKs. And obviously, I think at this point in the season now, because of the intense rivalry between the two clubs, they're both going to want to win so badly. But I'm actually not too sure at this point in time who's going to win. I'm going to, to say just for the sake of, History, maybe if, if Liverpool wins and they get to a final, they still have that chance of winning the quadruple, which we haven't seen before. So that could be, uh, that could be something interesting. As far as Chelsea and Crystal Palace go, I think out of all the ties, probably Chelsea would want this one. If I, if, if I'm not uh, mistaken, I think if Chelsea get to this final, that's three FA Cups in a row that they've advanced 
to the uh, the final, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, um, I think Chelsea will do enough to get themselves over the line against Crystal Palace, who, by the way, have been playing some fantastic football. So I'll go for a Chelsea-Liverpool final. And I think if we can, uh, if we could see that, maybe we'll see a, maybe a little bit of a repeat from the Carabao Cup final, which was one of the best games in terms of a goalless draw that I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree with you again, Daniel. We seem to agree quite often on this show, but that's okay. Uh, yep. I think Liverpool, when they get to this stage, uh, does better than Man City. Man City has a history of getting, you know, advancing through these tournaments, then getting to a big. St- stage then losing to a Chelsea or an Arsenal while Liverpool seems to always be able to find a way to win these matches and uh, we'll see if Man City's focus is on that Premier League matchup or this one are they going to field uh, you know a team for both and because you got Champions League uh, competition going on as well and so uh, I, I like Liverpool I think it's going to be a, tr- a tremendous matchup at Wembley and anytime you have a, a match in Wembley it's still the uh, the coliseum of uh, football maybe not yes. like the old Wembley was but this one certainly is good and yeah you said a Crystal Palace what a season for them I mean this is a team that's been up in the Premier League for quite some time now and uh, certainly they're going to give Chelsea a battle but I, I like Chelsea to get through on that one and uh, the, you know the FA Cup uh, it's it's one of my favorite tournaments it's kind of like March Madness in a way uh, where any team literally can win it because for those that maybe aren't familiar with the FA Cup I mean this is something that starts I believe in like August or September where every team that has or every community that has a team has a chance to get to Wembley and I just love the tournament it's been going on since uh, the the late 1800s and while maybe it doesn't have quite the prestige it once did Daniel with Champions League and Europa League and with the Premier League it's still a big big thing in England to win the FA Cup isn't it oh god yeah you talk to anybody I mean I coach with somebody who's from England and still the, the magic of the cup exists and the fact that you know you could say the words FA Cup and people just you know they get up on the heels because it's such a big competition it's a huge cup and even though it's maybe not the likes of the the Premier League or the or the Champions League, it's still something that, like you said, every team in the country gets an opportunity to win. And when it gets down to this stage, my goodness, are the games ever entertaining? Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you for this March 31st edition of Full Time, brought to you by the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. And Daniel, World Cup qualifying. Let's talk about that. The World Cup field in Qatar is almost set as more teams across the world qualified for the World Cup, which will be played in November and December this year. And Daniel, let's start with CONCACAF and your Canadians. Canada mm-hmm. qualified for their worst first World Cup since 1986 and only their second ever as they topped Jamaica at home 4-0 over this past weekend. Uh, last night, the Canadians did fall to Panama, but it didn't matter. They still qualify for the World Cup. And Daniel, we knew this was more than likely going to happen. Canada just needed two points in their remaining three matches, but what what a team and what a story, and are the Canadians uh, excited about this? No, it's not hockey, much like in the United States. It's not football or basketball, but still, it's going to be a lot of fun watching Canada. We'll talk more about the World Cup draw coming up, which is tomorrow, which almost shocked that it was tomorrow. Yes. Uh, Canada and the World Cup, what are your thoughts? It's, it's hard to even fathom that those words could be used all together uh, in unison in the same sentence because in my lifetime I've never seen it and there's not too many people apart from maybe a select few who thought that it would be possible but 
Above all, obviously the players deserve an immense amount of credit because they've been sensational over this entire qualification phase and for the past couple of years. And I think that there's uh, some up and coming, not just top class talent, but we could also say world class talent in that team. And then secondly, I think the biggest uh, praise needs to be heaped on the uh, the head coach, John Herdman, because he has done a sensational sh- uh, job to change the culture of Canadian soccer, to implement a program that is one of togetherness and, and uniformity and um, one that everyone can really get behind. And by the way, the style of football that Canada has played has not been boring by any stretch. It's a high press. They play in that 4-3-3. They play good football. It's entertaining and it's fun to watch. So I'm so happy that Canada is going to the World Cup. I know for sure that Canadians are excited because everyone is still talking about a soccer fan or not. And I've had lots of conversations with people who don't care much for soccer who have been saying, hey, Canada's going to the World Cup. Eh? How did that happen? So even though people may have not followed the journey, everybody knows of, of what the destination is going to be. And that's going to be Qatar in the World Cup. So everyone's excited here on this side of the border. And, and I just for me personally, I'm still a little bit beside myself, but I'm so happy and so proud to be Canadian, and I can't wait to see these guys at the World Cup, and hopefully they could do a, a little something. Well, this American certainly pulling for Canada. They cannot be in the same group as the United States, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Speaking of the United States, uh, the U.S. virtually assured of qualifying going into last night's match at Costa Rica. All they had to do was not lose by six goals, and it's a good thing that they got a point <laughs> in that Mexico match because uh, the the U.S. laid an egg last night against Costa Rica's B team. They lose 2-0, but making their first World Cup since 2014 with a 4-1 thrashing of Panama at home this past weekend. Uh, so Canada finished top of the 18 group, uh, tied with Mexico. Mexico also advances to the World Cup. Costa Rica, they finished fourth, and they will take on New Zealand in June for the right to get to the World Cup. And, you know, looking at this American team, Daniel was on ESPN Blacksburg with my my good friend Paul Van Wagner, just before we recorded our show, talking about the United States. And one of the questions he asked me is, you know, how how serious is this team to contend? And, you know, this is a very young team. As a matter of fact, I think they might be the youngest team in the entire World Cup field. And I don't have a lot of expectations this World Cup, but I think U.S. soccer and Canadian soccer, too, is really gearing towards that 2026 World Cup, which will be hosted by the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So both the Canadians and Americans are sure of getting into the next World Cup. But I really like what this team is doing. And one of the questions they asked me, Daniel, and I wanted your thoughts was, you know, he was asking about the rise of Canadian soccer and then, you know, the resurgence of American soccer. And one of the things I told him was, well, you have more and more players that are playing in these high-level leagues over in Europe. And, and, you know, that can't be understated because we didn't see that a few years ago, especially when the U.S. was starting to make their rise in the late 90s and early 2000s. You only had maybe a, a couple players that were playing in the Bundesliga or the Premier League. And with the Americans, it was usually keepers that we're doing that. So I think that really helps these programs when you have so many players that are playing, you know, top level football that can only carry over when they play for their domestic team. Well, it's it's a huge deal because like you said, if you're taking a look back years ago, if you saw a Canadian or an American playing in one of the, the top five leagues in Europe, you'd be shocked. And you say, Oh my God, that guy's Canadian or that guy's American. That's, right. that's pretty great. But now 
you can pretty much go through every league and you could pick out some Canadians and you could pick out some Americans and that trend is going to continue. So it absolutely helps their development. It, they, they bring that skill set back and uh, they bring it back to their camps with Canada and the United States. And it bodes incredibly, incredibly well for the rest of the country. So I was talking about, uh, about Canada qualifying the other day with a, a couple of my friends and I said, not only is it a, about Canada qualifying and people getting excited for that, but it's the manner in which they qualified and it's the manner of the achievement that's now going to inspire so many young people to say, hey, you know what, maybe I can do that. And growing up now, I think that more kids are going to have that opportunity and they're going to have the exposure from what they've seen from these two great countries who are, uh, who are on the uprise for trying to, to make their stamp and their mark in, in world football, Scott. We're going to go through all the teams coming up, Daniel, when we look at the World Cup draw, which will take place tomorrow at noon. Uh, let's talk about the European playoffs. They were played this past week with two teams punching their tickets to Qatar and one more position being held up because of the war in Ukraine. On Tuesday, Portugal, they advanced to the World Cup as they topped upstart North Macedonia 2-0. North Macedonia. The shock result of the qualification stage before that is they scored a late goal to knock off Italy 1-0. In Italy, the first time in over 50 years, Italia has lost a World Cup qualifying match at home. Poland, they also advanced as they shut out Sweden at home 2-0. Wales, uh, they advanced, but they're not in the World Cup yet because they have to face the winner of Scotland and Ukraine. That match was not played, obviously, with the ongoing war in Ukraine. So there's still one spot up for grabs, but really the, the news of all that, Daniel, was... Italy, what in the world happened? The second World Cup they have not made after winning the Euros last year. I mean, I did not see that coming. I thought very well they could lose to Portugal because that's a very good team. But uh, 1-0, losing to North Macedonia, what happened? Well, I've I've had this conversation, it feels like, a thousand times. And it's probably been, I don't know, upwards of 50, the amount of people that I've spoken to about this, maybe more. But... I put it down to something very simple, and hindsight and time is, is such a wonderful thing because you're able to assess things with uh, with a clear head. If you don't score in team sport, you don't win. Yeah. See what, what I've broken it down to because I've looked at second-level analytics. I've looked at possession statistics. Did you know that in that game against North Macedonia, Italy had 32 chances? They had 32 <laughs> attempts at goal. You don't even get that many in hockey sometimes. No. Like – 32 attempts at goal and you couldn't score one and I hate to say this and I know I'm going to get some flack for this particularly from some of my close friends but if you make your bed and Italy did they didn't score they didn't deserve to go through I'm sorry against Portugal like you said I always thought it was a possibility that they could lose to Portugal but they never even gave themselves a chance and even if we look back further Italy should have handled their business in the qualification phase. Yep. The draw against, I believe it was Bulgaria. They missed two penalties. They missed chances against Switzerland. It was all too much. And if you don't score, you don't win. And if you don't win, you're not going to go through. So I was deeply upset. I'm still a little bit hurt by it. Canada qualifying obviously um, lessens that blow a little bit. But, yeah, that's the reason why, Scott, when you really break it down, you don't take advantage of your chances. Anybody can beat you.
Daniel, let's move on to the World Cup draw, which will take place tomorrow at noon uh, here in the United States. You can watch it on Fox Sports 1. They'll be showing it live. I'm sure they'll be showing it in Canada as well. And it's one of my favorite parts of any sort of competition is to see who the teams will be drawn with. So let's kind of set it up on how this will go. There'll be eight groups of four, and they'll each play each other once, and the top two teams advance to the round of 16 and the knockout phase. Uh, There are four different pots of teams. So we're going to go through each pot and which teams are in there. Again, there's still three spots that are up for grabs. So pot one has the seventh highest ranked teams and then host Qatar. So in pot one, you have Qatar, Brazil, Belgium, France, Argentina, England, Spain, and Portugal. So none of those teams can play each other in the uh, round robin part of the tournament. Pot two has Mexico, Netherlands, Denmark, Germany, Uruguay, Switzerland, the United States, and Croatia. So those will be the teams that are drawn next. In pot three, again, these all go on FIFA rankings, Senegal, Iran, Japan, Morocco, Serbia, Poland, South Korea and Tunisia and in pot four teams that are already in that pot include Cameroon, Canada, Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, excuse me, and Ghana. And then the three spots still up for grabs in UEFA. You have Wales taking on either Scotland or Ukraine, one of those three teams. You also have the fourth place or the fifth place finisher in South America, which was Peru taking on the Asian uh, finisher there that will be either Australia or the United Arab Emirates and in the other spot you have the CONCACAF fourth place team which was Costa Rica taking on the top team in Oceania New Zealand so the they will draw the teams and there are certain rules as far as how many teams or countries I should say from the confederations can be in one group so for example Canada and the U.S. They can't be drawn to the same group because they're from CONCACAF. Same goes for Asia, Africa, South America. Europe's the exception because they have so many teams in it, so you could have two European teams. So, Daniel, uh, you know, one of the questions Paul asked me on the show earlier was, what would be the dream draw for the United States or, for that matter, Canada? I think everyone would be in agreement that you want to be in Group A with Qatar because you look at the other seven teams in there, and if you're Canada, I don't think you want to see Germany coming in that group. Uh, so we don't know how the draw is going to go. Certainly on our next show we will talk about it, but this, this is always a lot of fun because you just don't know who these teams are going to match up with, and it's always one of my favorite parts of international soccer is these draws. Oh, I agree with you, and you never think that somebody picking out a little piece of paper from a bowl would be so exciting, <laughs> but it really, really is. So, yeah, you're, you're right that whatever whatever team, so let's say, for example, the States and Canada, if they could draw the group with Qatar, obviously that's best case. Now, if you go on odds and likelihood, likely not going to happen. So could they draw a France, a Portugal, a Brazil, a Belgium, somebody like that? Well, they probably will. And then the second team that's going to be drawn in that group is also going to be incredibly difficult. But they knew, the United States and Canada, that they needed to get to the World Cup. Well, they've done that now. And they knew that going up against the likes of these sorts of teams is going to be a possibility, and that is going to happen. But that's what they've welcomed. That's what they've coveted. And that's what I even want to watch. I want to see Canada and the United States go up against the best because in time, hopefully the United States and Canada are the best and they can be competing amongst the best. So they got their one foot in the door. 
see what happens with the draw. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing and hearing about it tomorrow as it takes place at noon, as you said, Scott. And Daniel, I'm such a soccer geek. I simulated about 20 draws today, and <laughs> nice. and the most the most common results I had was this. We'll just go with the U.S. and Canadian potential draws in Canada. I have them in Group F with Belgium, Uruguay, and Senegal. That is not an easy group because watch out for that Senegal team. The United mm-hmm. States I had in Group H with Portugal, South Korea, and then the UEFA team, uh, either Scotland, Ukraine, or Wales. I think that wouldn't be a bad group for the United States because they have beat Portugal in the World Cup uh, a couple times, I believe, and that seems to be the best matchup for them of the top seven teams. And in none of those scenarios that I have the U.S. and Qatar's uh, group, but in several of them, I had Canada in Qatar's group. So mm. we're just going to have to see, and uh, we'll certainly talk about it more on our next show. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you on this March 31st edition of Full Time, brought to you by Northern Superior Brewery in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And Daniel, Major League Soccer continues the early portion of their schedule, as most teams have played four matches. Some have played five, and, and very early look at the standings sees Philadelphia atop the table in the East with 10 points, followed closely by my Columbus crew, along with Chicago and Orlando, all with eight points. Uh, Montreal and Inter-Miami stumbling out of the gates with just one point each and no wins. In the Western Conference, LAFC and Real Salt Lake are atop with 10 points, followed by Minnesota, who hold eight. San Jose and Vancouver at the bottom with one point each and no wins. Looking at our teams that coming up this weekend, Daniel, Columbus will host Nashville on Saturday evening, while Toronto FC looking for their second win this season. They'll be at home Saturday afternoon against NYCFC. Your thoughts on Major League Soccer? I've been watching a little more here and there, and uh, again, I I think the league is, is on the right path, and Going back to that interview I did with Paul Van Wagner, I, I, I still can't believe I talked for 16 minutes about soccer <laughs> with him. But he was talking, and I'm going to pose this question to you after uh, you, you talk about Major League Soccer. But his question was, how far is the U.S. as far, or excuse me, the MLS as far as comparing it to the European leagues? And he asked the Big Five, and, and I said that they, they are nowhere near that. I put them more in a league maybe like in Austria or Switzerland or Belgium maybe. I'm wondering your thoughts on that and just the MLS in general. Well, in the MLS in general, I've always been a fan, and, and, I, and I'm not, I can't really put it down to why I've always been a fan. I just My dad and I, we used to watch games together, and we still do from time to time. And it was just something that we did and something that we enjoyed because it's soccer that's close to home. But I still enjoy watching it. I'm a TFC fan. I'm not a TFC fan like I am an Arsenal fan, but they're the closest team to uh, my residence here in Sault Ste. Marie. So uh, I do like the MLS and I always have, and a lot of my friends like it too. In terms of where the MLS is in comparison to the top leagues in Europe, when we were watching uh, TFC play this past October, um, one of the guys I coached with, they said, so if you had to put it down to, let's say, a standard in England, what league do you think it matches up with? And he said, this is probably about League Two standard. So wow. for the folks who are listening, uh, you have the Premier League, which is the top division in, in England. Then you have the Championship, which is like Division Two. Then you've got League One, Division Three, and then you've got League Two, Division Four. So he said, he goes, this is League Two stroke League One. He goes, that that's about the standard. So I would say he's probably well he would know better than me but right it's it's a, about a two to three steps down let's say from the the top 
the top five in uh, the top five in Europe, Scott. Finally, Daniel, let's look at local soccer on this side of the pond. Uh, high school uh, girls soccer will begin next week in Gaylord. Weather permitting for the Suhai Blue Devils as they will have their spring soccer season. And Daniel, give us an update from Sioux, Ontario as far as high school soccer and I believe a, a new position for yours truly, or for yourself, not myself, but for you. <laughs> yes, so high school soccer is, is starting. Trials for all schools uh, are either commencing towards, well, I guess it would be today and tomorrow or uh, for most schools, it'll be at the start of next week. And yes, I have uh, accepted a new position. So I spent three years um, prior to COVID uh, at St. Mary's College uh, coaching the junior girls. And I had three incredible years there. We won three league championships and three city championships. Um, and I, I really valued my time. But now being employed full time with uh, a different school board, I've accepted the head coach position at uh, Cora Collegiate as the junior girls head coach for the 2022 season and we're getting our trials started next week and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to working at an up-and-coming program that places a uh, definite high value in athletics and I'm working forward to looking forward rather to working with the players and and the coaches at Cora so definitely exciting times here and uh, hopefully we can get onto the pitch sooner rather than later but we still got a ton of snow to melt. Yeah, and uh, slop and ice and rain today and everything else. And congratulations on that new position, Daniel. And I like you, how you, you I like how you put full time in that whole thing there. You're you're using the name of the show to talk about uh, <laughs> your full time job, obviously, and uh, certainly a well deserved one in my opinion. Uh, Daniel, certainly going to be a fun couple weeks of soccer. And when we next meet, uh, we'll certainly know the teams in the Champions League semifinals and all the FA Cup finalists. We'll also know more about the domestic leagues in Europe, and we'll know. Who Canada and the United States will face, at least at the beginning of the World Cup. So lots to talk about and certainly appreciate you taking time out and joining us on full time and to our listeners. We've got a great listener base for the show. It's one of our most downloaded shows on the site. And if you want to find this show, well, you already have found this show if you're listening to it, but you can go to the website, thegamesportshow.com, thegamesportshow.podbean.com, or just type in The Game Sports Show to your favorite podcast site or platform, and you'll find this show and all our family of shows on the game, entertainment, and media. Daniel, it's April here tomorrow, and certainly spring is, is eternal, and I hope you have a great couple weeks, and we'll talk to you uh, in a couple weeks for our next edition, sir. Yes, absolutely. And in a couple of weeks' time, we will become more knowledgeable because so much soccer will have been played. And potentially, with whatever happens with Chelsea, Arsenal, Canada, and the United States, maybe we'll have a little bit more added stress, Scott. But always uh, always a pleasure to be with you on this show. And thanks to our listeners for uh, for tuning in tonight. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. And that's welcome stress because we support exactly. our teams as much exactly. as we do. For Daniel Scarpino, my name is Scott Nason. That'll do it for this March 31st edition of Full Time, brought to you by Northern Superior Brewery in Sioux, Ontario, along with the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media.